0: I invite you this time to turn in your pew Bibles to Second Peter chapter one, where we have a reading for tonight, verses ten and eleven, can be found in your pew Bible on page one thousand eight hundred and ninety four. One thousand eight hundred and ninety four. Hey now, the reading of God's holy, inspired, and infallible word. Therefore, my brothers, be all the more eager to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never fall, and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Thus far, the reading of God's holy word. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of the Lord stands forever. Um, In uh, relation to our text tonight, I'd also like to read a number of articles from the Canons of Dort uh, on the fifth main doctrine, the perseverance of the saints. And those would be articles 9 through 14 of chapter 5 of the Canons of Dort. And I will just read them to you um, and uh, hopefully you'll see why I'm Comparing these two together, okay? Of this preservation of the elect to salvation and of their perseverance in the faith, true believers themselves may and do obtain assurance according to the measure of their faith, whereby they surely believe that they are and ever will continue true and living members of the church and that they have the forgiveness of sin and life eternal. Article 10. This assurance, however, is not produced by any peculiar revelation contrary to or independent of the word of God, but springs from faith in God's promises, which he has most abundantly revealed in his word for our comfort, from the testimony of the Holy Spirit, witnessing with our spirit that we are children and heirs of God, God, and lastly, from a serious and holy desire to preserve a good conscience and to perform good works. And if the elect of God were deprived of this solid comfort, that they shall finally obtain the victory, and of this infallible pledge of eternal glory, they would be of all men the most miserable. Article 10. The Scripture, moreover, testifies that believers in this life have to struggle with various carnal doubts, and that under grievous temptations they do not always feel this full assurance of faith and certainty of persevering. But God, who is the Father of all consolation, does not suffer them to be tempted above that they are able But will with the temptation make also the way of escape that they may be able to endure it. And by the Holy Spirit again inspires them with a comfortable assurance of persevering. Article 12. This certainty of perseverance, however, is so far from exciting in believers a spirit of pride or of rendering them carnally secure. that on the contrary, it is the real source of humility, filial reverence, true piety, patience in every tribulation, fervent in prayers, constancy in suffering and in confessing the truth and of solid rejoicing in God. So the consideration of this benefit should serve as an incentive to the serious and constant practice of gratitude and good works, as appears from the testimonies of Scripture and the examples of the saints. Article 13. Neither does renewed confidence of persevering produce licentiousness or a disregard of piety in those who are recovered from backsliding, But it renders them much more careful and solicitous to continue in the ways of the Lord, which He has ordained, that they who walk therein may keep the assurance of persevering, lest, on account of their abuse of His fatherly kindness, God should turn away His gracious countenance from them, to behold which is to the godly dearer than life, and the withdrawal of which is more bitter than death, and they, in consequence thereof, should fall into more grievous torments of conscience. Article 14. And as it has pleased God by the preaching of the gospel to begin this work of grace in us, so He preserves, continues, and perfects it by the hearing and reading of His Word, by meditation thereon, by the exhortations, threatenings, and promises thereof, and by the use of the sacraments. And that's uh, the teaching of one of our confessions, Canons of Dort. Often in Scripture, there's been presented. This um, perceived tension between God's sovereignty and uh, man's responsibility—I forgot how to spell responsibility, but oh, I think it's this. Uh, this tension between these two things: man's responsibility, God's sovereignty. I. I'm so responsible, I don't know how to spell responsibility. Um, But when uh, um, Charles Spurgeon was asked, how do you reconcile these two realities? That God is sovereign in salvation, but also that man is responsible in salvation. And, And this is what Charles Spurgeon said. There's no need to reconcile friends. There's no need to, why, why would I need to reconcile them? They're friends. Um, God's sovereignty and man's responsibility um, are, are not enemies in the scripture. They are, um, they're friends. The tension is uh, imagined. Um, it is true that God is sovereign in salvation, but it is also true uh, that we are responsible in salvation. And our, our, tonight's passage is a um, testimony to this. You have been called. Confirm your call by answering. You have been called. Confirm your call by answering the call. Confirm your call by answering the call, okay? Um, we have uh, two points tonight. Confirm your calling and uh, enter the kingdom. So let's look at the first point. Confirm your calling together. Um, This is um, Peter wrapping up uh, uh, everything that he's talked about before. So, we, uh, we always have to ask this question, right? What's the therefore? What's the therefore? Therefore, therefore okay. So uh, every time you see therefore in the Bible, you have to say, what's it there for? And this is why it's so important that we don't look at the Bible in a series of quotations that you find in little nice Instagram posts or little uh, daily calendars where you have like one verse, right? So for instance... John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever shall believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. How many people do you think know that verse but don't know that Jesus is the one saying it? Right? So, therefore, what's it there for? Um, it's talking about everything that Peter has talked about up to this point, starting in verse 3. And if you remember everything that he's said up until this point, up until verse 3, starting at verse 3, then you can understand that what he's doing here is he's wrapping up his statement. These next two verses are a summary of everything that's come before, okay? Um, And this is what Peter said before. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith, goodness, and to goodness, knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control, and to self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But if anyone does not have them, he is nearsighted and blind, has forgotten that he has been cleansed from his past sins. So this is how I would summarize Peter's argument up until this point, okay? Um, we have divine power that has given us everything we need. Everything we need for the Christian life, right? Everything we need for life and godliness, Um Through the uh, precious promises of God, we participate in the divine nature. Um, What did I talk about that? I I talked about how what Peter is saying is, by faith, we are united to Christ. And because we are united to Christ, we are participating in the divine nature. We have access to all that Christ has access to. We are recipients of all the blessings and the benefits that belong to Christ rightfully as the Son of God, okay? Um, And this is why he says, for this reason, add to your faith. And he gives a list, right? Add to your faith these things. And he lists them out. This isn't a, a full list, but it's, a, um, it's, it's an, a list that's an example. So Peter could have ended his list with et cetera, okay? He could have said et cetera. But what he did say is, um, because you have the, uh, this divine power that's given you everything you need for life and godliness, because by your faith in the precious promises of God, you're participating in the divine nature through your uh, connection, through your union with Christ, Right? Uh, therefore, you can add to your faith these things, goodness, and to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance, and godliness, and brotherly kindness, and love. And if you possess these qualities, Peter says, you will have, um, you will have uh, an understanding of being effective and productive in the faith. You will be uh, growing. You'll be um, moving forward. You'll be producing fruit, right? This is Peter's version of the fruits of the Spirit. But if you don't have them, then you're in this category of being nearsighted and blind, and and you're in this uh, sort of uh, baby Christian form of of saying, Well, yeah, I believe, um, but your belief has not affected your life in a great way. It hasn't affected your life, and, and it hasn't moved you to action. You're like the person that James talks about in his letter when he says, You're like the person that walks up to somebody who's hungry and who's naked and says, Hey, brother, uh, go be warm and well-fed. Instead of actually getting this brother that you supposedly care about something to wear and something to eat, um, you have what at this point is an unconfirmed faith because the faith that, that somebody has must be proved justified by actions, by works. I can't tell if you have a faith that is sincere and living if your faith has not transformed your life in some fashion, okay? So this is what Peter's talking about. And then he says, Therefore, my brothers, be all the more eager. Brothers and sisters, right? Now, brethren, it's not just talking about only the guys in church, okay? Okay? This is the word uh, "adelphoi," which means brothers and sisters, it's brethren. Therefore, my fellow Christians, Peter says, "Be all the more eager." Um, Be all the more eager is what the NIV says, um, but I think uh, uh, the uh, ESV is a little bit more clear on this. It says, "Make every effort." Make every effort. Make every effort to do what? To make your calling an election sure. In other places, in other translations, it says to confirm, to confirm your calling in your election, okay? Make every effort to confirm your calling in your election. What does Peter mean by make every effort to confirm your calling? Well, in other places in the Bible it says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, right? Why should we work out our salvation with fear and trembling? Well, Paul says, because it is God who works in you, to will and to do according to his good pleasure. So the reason why you should take personal responsibility for your growth in the salvation, for your growth in the Christian life is because God is the one working in you to accomplish this. Right? Make every effort. Uh, be all the more eager to make your calling to election. This is what Peter is saying. Because you know that you have a divine power that's given you everything you need for godliness in this in this life. Because you know that by faith in the promises of God and your union to Christ, you participate in the divine nature and you have access to the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Because of this, you know that you can add to your faith these qualities: goodness, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness, love, then you should be confident in moving forward in your faith and making every effort to confirm your calling and election, okay? Um, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. Now, we aren't, uh, we aren't meant to... Uh, another way I would put this. In the Canons of Dort, in the first article, it says something very important about the, the doctrine of election that I think we should to pay particular close attention to I'm trying to find it Maybe it's the second one. Never mind. I I know what it, I know what I'm thinking of, um. But I'm having a hard time finding it. Basically, what it says is that we should not be um, uh, so introspective into the doctrine of election that we're like looking at our belly button, basically, all the time. Um, uh, we shouldn't be. Uh, so obsessed with confirming our election, our calling, um, that what we put our faith in is not Christ, right? But uh, whether our good works are proving that we are really a Christian. You see what I'm saying? You can get so far into this that you're putting more emphasis on man's responsibility than you are on God's sovereignty. So you, you're, you, you're the only time you feel like you're elect is if you can tell that you're doing the things that elect people should do, right? Instead of trusting the Lord, instead of having faith in Christ and His perfect and completed work. Instead of of viewing the works that you are doing as an expression of gratitude and worship to God for the salvation that you've received, you've now turned them into a, a magical genie machine that tells you whether or not you're really saved or not. You see what I'm saying? That's not what we're called to do when Peter says... Make every effort to confirm your calling and election. What he's doing is saying, you've been promised that you have everything that you need, and therefore move forward in the Christian life. Uh, And that's why I wanted to um, um, look at uh, chapter 5 in the uh, Canons of Dort, because this is exactly what um, chapter 5 talks about. When it says... uh, um, This assurance, however, is not produced by any peculiar revelation contrary to or independent of the Word of God, but springs from faith in God's promises, which He has most abundantly revealed in His Word to our comfort or for our comfort, from the testimony of the Holy Spirit, witnessing with our spirit that we are children and heirs of God, and lastly, from a serious and holy desire to preserve a good conscience and to perform good works. You see what the, the Canon of Dort did there. It said, first, the way that we have this assurance is revealed from his word, God's word. God's word tells us, right? Second, we have this assurance because the Holy Spirit tells us um, that we are, uh, we are co-heirs with Christ, that we are children of God. The Holy Spirit confirms this in us, right? And then lastly, we look to the, the fruits. You see what I'm saying? So that's the tier by which we're supposed to uh, look at this confirming your calling. Now, this isn't the first thing that we go to. This isn't the first thing. This is the last thing that we go to. We go to God's word and he says, God's word says, if I believe in Jesus, then I have been called, right? Um, then God's word says that I was chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world, that I'm elect. Um, the Holy Spirit is within me and the Holy Spirit, he is telling me that I am united to Christ and that I am a child of God. And also... The fruits of someone who is called and elected are evident in my life. And this is important because not only does the Canons of Dort say this is the tears by which we should look at this, but the Canons of Dort also say that sometimes in the Christian life, people stumble and fall. And they can fall actually pretty far. And what is the person who has fallen And who is, even for a season living in in sin, supposed to do about believing that they are still saved. If all they have to look to are their fruits. But it's God's word and it's the Holy Spirit's conviction that brings them back out of that pit. You see what I'm saying? So make every effort to confirm your calling and election. Make every effort to do this. And Peter says, if you do these things, you will never fall. Okay, as Peter's saying, you have to, you, you have to pursue this, and if you pursue this, you will have the sinless perfect, perfect life, sinless perfectionism, that if you do these things, you will never fall. No, Peter's saying, if you do these things, you will never fall ultimately. You will never fall finally. You will never fall completely. You see what I'm saying? Peter is saying this is the recipe for success in the Christian life, but he also knows that God's providence brings people to different situations and circumstances that oftentimes the falls that we have into sin, the falls that we have into a number of struggles and temptations are ways that God teaches us how to grow in the Christian life. If you do these things, you'll never stumble. You'll never fall ultimately that God will bring you through in the end if you you do these things, okay? Uh, so why do I say, you've been called, confirm your call by answering? Um, because um, one of the things that we're taught in the Bible is that many have been called, few have been chosen, right? Um, that's what Jesus says at the end of one of his parables. Many are called, few are chosen, right? And the basis Of that teaching is the idea that we are to go out into the world and we are to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ to everyone. Nobody is supposed to not hear the good news of Jesus Christ. Everybody is supposed to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. We are not called to go out and to only preach the gospel to the elect because newsflash, we don't know who the elect are, okay? And so everybody gets to be one who hears the good news of the gospel. Everyone is called in that sense, right? Right? But how do we know who the chosen ones are? Because they're the ones who answer the call. They're the ones that answer the call. They're the ones who respond to the call. They're the ones that the Holy Spirit, um, by His grace, um, softens their heart to hear the good news and to receive the good news by faith in Jesus, okay? Um, So, you haven't called. Confirm your call. By answering. And I'd say that call that we have when it comes to the gospel, um, about believing in the gospel, is not a call that ends when we've believed in the gospel uh, that one time, all right? Because uh, the call of God is an um, ongoing reality. And the call of God that's effective in our lives is not simply for our justification. It's also for our sanctification. And so as God continues to give that call out to us, that we are called, we are elect, we are chosen, right? We're called to answer the call continuously. We're called to go and to do what the Lord is saying to us to do. To go and to live the Christian life, to add to our faith, to believe the promises. You see what I'm saying? It's a continuous reality. It's a continuous reality of believing and growing in that belief and the conviction of that belief and living out the conviction of that belief. Um, We are called. uh, We have to keep answering the call. We have to keep answering uh, the call. So the second point is enter the kingdom. Um, Not only does Peter say if you do these things, you'll never fall ultimately, but he says this is what your reward is going to be. You're not going to fall ultimately, which means... Your destination is not hell. Your destination is not eternal torment and judgment for those who are separated from God um, and without Christ in this world. This is your your destination. This is your destiny. Uh, You'll receive a rich welcome. You receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ Um, there was a tradition back in the day if you had a champion that went off um, uh, from the city and um, they were returning victorious uh, that they would not come in through the normal entrance because the normal entrance was not big enough for them uh, to enter. And so as a sign of uh, uh, approval and as a sign of appreciation and as a sign of, of uh, great thanks that they had for this champion that went off, um, they would break a hole into the wall of the city so that the uh, champion and his army and whatever could come through that wall. They would open up this wall, and the Greek word that Peter uses here, and receiving a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom, that's the word that Peter is using here. It's, it elicits that kind of imagery, that, that, the, that God is going to really uh, pull out the red carpet, so to speak. He is, going to, uh, he is going to prepare such a rich welcome for you. He's going to uh, prepare this for you uh, because um, God has... Um, um, brought you through all this, and you have finally made it to your, your, your destination. You finally made it to the end, to the goal. You finally have reached it, um, and that's the eternal kingdom. Um, and, and take note of this uh, eternal kingdom, uh, some, some um, things about this eternal kingdom, okay? Um, that is, the kingdom is one, Peter mentions eternal. It's a forever kingdom. And it's a kingdom that Christ brought when he first came and is a, is, a, is a reality in our hearts right now. But it's a kingdom that Christ is going to bring uh, fully when he comes again, okay? Uh, the kingdom is eternal. Uh, our entrance into this kingdom is still future from where we're at right now and where Peter's readers were at when, um, when he wrote this. And this kingdom belongs to Jesus Christ, It's an eternal kingdom, and our entrance is still future to us, um, and it belongs to Jesus Christ. And this is what awaits us uh, for those of us who grow in the Christian life, for those of us who continue to answer the call God has given to us. We keep picking up the phone when he calls we keep doing what it is that he's called us to do because we believe that God has given us everything we need to do what he's called us to do. We believe this, and so we pursue it. We believe this so we continue forward. We believe this so we march on the Christian life. We confirm our calling and election because um, we, uh, God has made his calling uh, effectual in our lives. He's made his calling uh, you know, um, powerful in our lives. Um, and so really, if you wanted to distill this message down to a very one very simple thing, it, it would be this. Do you believe that God's word is powerful? Do you believe that God's word is powerful? And if you believe that God's word is powerful, if you believe that what he says he gives power to accomplish it, if he calls you, then he gives you the ability to answer So confirming your calling is simply believing in the power of God's word, believing that his salvation is effective, his grace is powerful, his word is living and active. God says this, do you believe it? It's as simple as that. You've been called by God. Confirm this calling by answering that call. Another way of saying this is you are called a believer in Jesus Christ, so believe, believe and then do or trust and obey, trust and obey. So I challenge you all this week to uh, confirm your calling and election. And uh, to know that moving forward in the Christian life, growing in the Christian life, is not something that God gives us to do on our own without His grace and without His power at work in our lives. Uh, But it is something uh, that we can trust that God will empower us to do. um, And that because of this, we will have uh, assurance of our salvation. And so, amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for this word tonight. We pray, Lord, that you would help us to confirm our calling, that we would be more eager this week to make our calling and election sure, um, that we would, Lord, strive for that future that awaits us, a reception, a a warm welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. This is the home that we long for. This is what we desire. Um, above all, to be in your presence and in the presence of our dear Savior, Jesus Christ. May we believe your word this week, and may we do it. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.